Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to Really Good Shares. I'm AJ Delario, and in this podcast, I want to expand the definition of recovery uh, and talk with people that I want to learn from and who have valuable insights into how to get better, even if they haven't figured out how to do it perfectly. See, you'll hear a mix of interviews and, and storytelling, kind of uh, my own little funny quips in between all of this stuff, if you're not annoyed by that sort of thing. But to make up for it, we also have music from legendary soul singer Swamp Dog. This is an episode that I think many people can relate to, especially those of us who hate themselves. This is an episode about depression, personal growth, and the fear of letting go of our worst defects. Now, if you're like me, I couldn't bond with people without shit-talking about others. I actually thought that was one of my best assets, but I mean, also, I wasn't that concerned with how I treated people I cared about, too. Like, I'm sorry if I was an asshole, but I just can't help myself. One of the best, most heartbreaking and inspiring assholes that I know right now is Megan Keister. She's a writer and a comedian who's knocked around both industries. I mean, she's had some success, but not superstardom. It's not her fault, honestly. Success in both those industries is never based on merit. Megan wrote one of the greatest things I've ever read in her newsletter, exclusive content. It's called, That's Just Who You Were. When I read it, it, it leveled me. Here's a portion that I'm going to read. It's easy to wear shittiness as a badge of honor, to comprise an entire personality from your triggers, pet peeves, deal breakers. Assholes operate in absolutes. This or God for fucking bid that. It's infinitely easier to draw a line in the sand than to share the beach. When people validate you for this shittiness, it becomes all the more inextricable from your existence. It's why comedians rarely grow. Why should they? Being shitty pays the bills. 
you convince yourself you're a cultural critic, righteously indignant, justifiably judgmental. In practice, however, you're just cruel. At my shittiest, the closest I could offer as an apology whenever I hurt someone's feelings, which was often, was the line, I'm sorry I'm like this. The implication being that I was completely devoid of agency, suffering under the control of an immobile, sinister force, and that was making me behave atrociously. It's not me making you cry. It's the trauma. That's so good, right? And I mean, Megan, honest to God, is one of my favorite writers right now. Uh, Megan makes me feel things I don't necessarily want to feel. But that's what makes her so great. I mean, even her B-minus newsletters leave a mark. She makes her darkest moments somehow universally relatable. She's written about her past alcoholism, depression, her crazy conservative family, her dead sister. She's written about her side hustle, buying old film wardrobe items and flipping them on eBay. She's documented the last porn theater in L.A. She loves and frequently posts about her finds trawling the Craigslist free section. Any of you guys ever been to the Mutter Museum in Philadelphia? She's the human embodiment of that place. There's lots of unsettling parts. But it's a worthwhile experience. And she used to be a terrible drunk. And early on in their stand-up career, that was the only way she could perform. I would get to that point with alcohol in that I would get so fucked up before I went on stage. I would be on stage and I would know that I'm talking to people, but I would not really be cognizant of what I was saying or even if it was making sense. And I remember looking in the eyes of the audience and just like seeing their confusion and horror <laughs> where it's just like, I, it was basically like, I was just like a woman who wandered off the street and just started fucking rambling. And she subjected herself to some terrible things in order to buy alcohol. Like in her 20s in LA, she was basically a human lab rat in various shady medical trials. Well, they're not that shady. They pay her like $20 an hour. But back in October 2020, Megan was actually our first guest on Really Good Shares. We were still workshopping the show, and Megan wrote this seven-minute piece about doing This Is Your Brain on Nicotine Trials to Pay for Her Alcoholism. She described things like smoking a cigarette with an IV drips on her arm, being in an MRI machine completely hungover, being injected with various experimental meds for quote-unquote science. But our show's changed since then. And so has Megan. But, but first, here's a small example of her original share about her lab rat days. A nurse injects me with a violently pigmented radioactive substance she's procured from a metal box, holding it as far from her body as humanly possible. I take this to be one in a never-ending list of bad signs I always ignore. She instructs me to sit upright in a dark room for 40 minutes. She tells me not to sleep and to try not to think of anything, as doing so will prevent the radiation from evenly electrifying my brain. Thoughtlessness completed, a lab-coated woman asks me to urinate and follows me to the restroom. She says to flush the toilet three times so the radiation doesn't stick to the bowl. She then places a sign on the door indicating that no one else is to enter the restroom for an indefinite period of time as radioactivity is present. 
I have drunk bottom shelf white wine behind a two-way glass after taking a medication that made me vomit with such force I wondered if it had even entered my system before it exited it. I have let a translucent liquid designed to trigger a panic attack be shot into my veins in order to expand the ventricles in my heart and therefore make them easier to photograph while lying in an MRI machine. I did all this because I thought it was what I needed to do to survive. And that was Megan's routine for a while. Wake up, go to the VA, get poisoned for money, buy booze, get poisoned for fun, do incoherent comedy. But something amazing happened between now and then. She got really happy. Well, she got on a Fexer, and she fell in love. And then the pandemic happened. Are you the happiest you've ever been in your life? No, I think the happiest I've ever been in my entire life, and I hate to say this, was right when, like, everything started shutting down because of the pandemic. Oh, really? Well, yeah, I mean, because nobody, everybody was too terrified to go outside, but I wasn't because I've, I've known that, like, an airborne illness can kill you ever since my sister died of one, like, you know, a million fucking years ago. So I would just, I was able to just walk down Sunset Boulevard alone right. at night, and I was... And I was cognizant of the fact that, like, I'm witnessing, I'm experiencing something that most people will never experience, that will never happen again. And I felt really lucky. And besides joyfully walking the quarantine streets of L.A., Megan also began to write her newsletter more consistently and earnestly. Like, she began to put herself out there in a way that she'd never done before. It was in a way that was not incoherent or rambling or radioactive. And guess what? People write to her now and thank her because she helped them. So let me read a bit more from Megan's That's Just Who You Were, and then she'll take over. This is a bit about the relationship she has with her friend Howard, a guy she does her own podcast with. And I think this part is extremely lovely. It's weird to think of the period in which I was in the most amount of emotional and physical pain as the easiest, but it was. It's a facile way to exist, always passing the buck. But when I finally realized I no longer actually wanted to kill myself, I also realized I no longer wanted to be myself. I was tired of being paralyzed. I wanted to, you know, do something with, do something about my ingrained misery. I wanted to help. Change didn't happen overnight, of course, nor did it even happen in the first couple of years after I decided to stop milking my past for an excuse to spiral. Came in drips, not spurts. When I was young, pot was something I thought was only consumed by people who liked inexcusable music. Northern Central California is basically NorCal. Santa Cruz, Peace Frog, Hacky Sack were all one shit. I resented pot smokers and their seemingly effortless ability to experience to joy. Experience joy. I also, I also thought, thought joy, joy was, was for the mindless. For the mindless. I used to I think, used to a, think lot a lot of stupid, stupid things. things. I used to think podcasts were for fucking losers, but if I had never started one, I would never have heard Howard say, when I listen to Public Enemy, I'm Chuck D and my stepmom is the federal government. While searching for a weed pipe in his jacket as we stood on the main street in an abandoned gold mining town. A line I've thought about every subsequent day thereafter. Once you get Howard high, you have a joke writing machine. The only thing keeping you from the gold is your ability to take dictation and tread water. Arguing with Howard has become one of my greatest joys. He is immutably frustrating. Sometimes I feel as though I'm his parent. Sometimes I feel as though I'm his partner. 
The arguments I had with my ex-husband, however, were less fruitful. Arguing with someone you're romantically entangled to is so hack anyway. Sometimes I'll sit and realize how much some insane philosophy he has makes sense, and I'll think, shit, am I like him? The answer is yes. Yes, I am, which is why the universe brought us together. And by being brought together, someone who listens to our podcast sent me a letter this week to say that, through sharing my experiences with depression and anxiety, I helped save their life. Before I stopped hating myself, it never really occurred to me to be of service to anyone. But I used to think a lot of stupid things. Primarily about the hostility of the universe. The universe was never that hostile, though. I was. When I first started writing on the internet, I realized I could get away with and get paid for posting some truly depraved and cruel stuff. It worked, but I didn't feel good. And Megan's experience doing that type of work for Vice and various other places made her feel shitty too. I feel like a lot of like writing online, like the kind of shit that we used to do, that's, I I think it was designed to serve us more than the actual subject or anything like that. We were trying to get, you know, notoriety and, but the way in which we tried to do that is just be as petty and mean and shitty to everybody. You know what I mean? No one learned, no one got, no one grew, no one sent me an email and be like, to be like, oh man, you talking shit about, I don't know, insert person here really changed my life. And just like I did, writing your newsletter has opened up a whole new side to Megan and a whole new audience. Us writing about ourselves and recovery and shit, like this is actual, this is something that has worth, there's more humility involved than us just writing salacious shit and throwing it on the internet in order to try and go viral or create a personal brand or whatever the fuck. And that's why, I mean, I know I didn't get better as a writer writing that shit because I was just doing the same, you know, same song and dance over and over and over again. Acknowledging that you're full of shit, acknowledging that you're always passing the buck is the first step to actually doing anything about it. Not obvi at all. Obvi, you know. That's the that's the thing. It's just like to I guess I not that obvi, really. As you wrote ten years ago, I would stop halfway through and basically be like, "All right, that's it." Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. See, this is how I am. Too bad. <laughs> but now you have this other seven hundred fifty <laughs> words where you're basically right. just like, "Okay, I'm going to stop doing that right now." Right? That's huge because I mean, you're kind of an asshole, like you're at least supposed to be. I mean, it's easy to be self-deprecating, but to be actually self-critical, a lot of people aren't willing to do that for whatever. I mean, because it makes you look bad, right. you know, but if you're not afraid of right. looking bad. But you were <laughs> for a little while. I mean, at least cares, it comes back you know I mean? in terms of just like everything you're talking about when you first were doing stand-up and you wouldn't face the audience. You would just like get drunk all the time. It's just like that yeah. insecurity was basically there and kind of very prevalent, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, in the interest of self-preservation, you're focused more on self-preservation when your sense of self is lower. The more secure you are as a person, the less, you know what I mean, the less you have to protect, I guess.
We've talked about growth many times on this show. Well, well, a couple of times. We've only done like five shows. But uh, I'm sure it'll pop up a few more times as we move forward. I love how Megan can both acknowledge her shittiness or past shittiness, but also recognize that it's part of her that she's trying to extract, but not too much, right? I think there's a false equivalency here between being an asshole and doing good work. Like, when I was at Deadspin and Gawker, I, I genuinely didn't think that I could do good work without being an asshole. And this is something I've heard from lots of other people. Like, those of us who feared taking medication for anxiety or depression thought it would be too numbing. Or we'd lose our ability to be creative, our sense of humor, our whole personality. But man, what if there's something better on the other side? What if there's relief? The thing I equated with being too numb was that I'd lose energy and I wouldn't focus on the right things. I wouldn't feel things the right way. And maybe some of that's true. And it did take some time to adjust to it. But there's this whole other part of my brain that's opened up too. I've gained the ability to make better choices. And I have more discipline. So I'm able to distinguish between reality and delusion. I have changed. That was the goal. I've gotten to a point where I, I like just being honest because it seems to help people. I like being honest in a way. People which have I don't. emailed in and said that you help them? Yeah, I like that. I mean, I like that more than being successful. Not to say that I'm successful, but I like it more than if I were to become successful. Next time we Really Good Shares, we'll speak to my friend Joe Schrank, celebrity sober companion, a social worker. He does harm reduction advocacy. He's going to tell us about his friendship with comedian Greg Giraldo, passed away from his addictions. And Joe's going to tell us about how to keep helping even when your heart's broken. I thought he was a real dickhead the first time I met him. I mean, he's still kind of a dick, but he's also one of the people that's helped me the most in my recovery. And now we're going to hear Swamp Dog's rendition of Oh Sweet Nothing, which is my favorite Velvet Underground song. I love this version because I just think it works so well with Megan Cher and, and her episode. So here's Swamp Dog. Say a word for Jimmy Brown. You ain't got nothing at all Not a shirt right on his back Sweet nothing 
Good Shares is hosted by me, AJ Delario. We're produced by Julian Willer, Jackie Huntington, and Jessica Kreinchich, with production assistance from Lindsay Hopp. Our theme music is Everything You'll Ever Need by Swamp Dog. In this episode, Swamp Dog covered Oh Sweet Nothing by The Velvet Underground. Our executive producers are myself and Julian Weller, and special thanks to Mangesh Hightigater and Bethann Macaluso. Thanks again to Megan Keister for all her pain. Now, if you liked what you heard here, check out thesmallbow.com, as in bow and arrow. We'll be back with Joe Schrank, he's a celebrity sober companion, a social worker, and uh, he's my friend. He's going to tell us about his friendship with comedian Greg Giraldo, who passed away from his addictions. And Joe's going to tell us about how to keep helping even when your heart's broken. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.